What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? It's your buddy Max, here with Dan the Man. How's it going, guys? And we got a lot to talk about today. We do. A lot to talk about. Dan, I have had way too much espresso today. And Feeling hyped? I'm excited. And nice. I'm surprised you even want to do a show with me right now when you know some of the players that are going to come up on the show sheet. Well, that is that is fair. In fairness, you didn't tell me you're going to have so many espressos and talk about these guys. So now knowing we got both of those things playing at the same time, uh, I think we're in for some trouble. I got amped up for this show. A um, lot of throwbacks to uh, some of our predictions, right? A lot of guys True. left for dead that might have come back to life. Uh, I say we just get into it, right? There's Let's a lot of it. stuff. Let's try to hit it quick and uh, wrap up 2020 in style. I was going to say, last one of the year, so let's make a count. Speaking of making a count, you knew I was going to lead the show with this. There's no way we were doing this show and this wasn't the first thing we were talking about. That's true. Dan, why don't you name the player that I'm about to launch into a soliloquy on right now? Oh, Mr. Jalen Hurts, the boy who made it count. <laughs> he did make it count, right? And, and it's funny because the timing was hilarious. On the last yep. show, we did a rapid fire section. I asked you, does Jalen Hurts start a game this year without a Carson Wentz injury? And you said, you think he does. Exactly. Kiss of death for Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts looked awesome. Um, he looked great. I want to quickly, for the viewers at home, listeners at home, play a uh, quick clip of us talking about him on a show we did earlier. So let's quickly listen to some Jalen Hurts analysis from a couple months ago. I think that this is somebody, especially in Superflex drafts, but even in deeper single QB dynasty leagues, Jalen Hurts has massive upside. He's a player that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And when you look at the profile coming out of college, it's not that dissimilar from Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be the new number one QB in dynasty in a year or For two. For sure. But a couple years ago, I was drafting Lamar Jackson in the double-digit rounds of startups. And again, we, we just talked about it. Once you get past round 10, how many of these guys are even going to be on your roster, right? So I'm just saying, before Dan has to go get to his afternoon plans, take a shot on Jalen Hurts. Stash this kid. He has a lot of great measurables. And if he ever took over, he's in a fantastic offense behind an offensive line that is killer and a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. So there you have it. We were on Jalen Hurts. We were telling everybody to stash this kid, right? And yep. what does he do? He was quarterback 11 last week. Like he comes yeah. in, gets the start. They turn the reins over to him against the Saints. That could have been a bloodbath, right? But instead he goes out, looks super competent, right? And, and this is what we talked about. He's been a great passer his whole career with the mobility. And Exactly. 106 rushing yards against the Saints defense who hadn't allowed, I forget what the stat was, but it was like they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in forever. Exactly. So that was definitely not on the expected side there. No. And and I saw I saw a stat that the only other player to ever go in, you know, to ever go over 100 rushing yards in his first career start was Lamar Jackson, which is exactly Ooh. who we were talking about the comps for, right, with this kid. Exactly but with some better accuracy when it came to the throwing side of things and not having to lean on that as much. So absolutely. I agree. I mean, I think right now, just after what we've seen against a good defense, right? Nobody has film on him, but yep. he played really well, gets definitely a slouchier defense this week. You know, we're recording on Saturday, so we'll find out tomorrow, you know, if we're still keeping the, exactly. I mean, we're going to keep the flame lit, but we'll see what the public thinks. <laughs> um, exactly. I mean, the guy runs a four, five, nine. 
he rushed for, you know, pretty much 850 yards or more his main three seasons, right, where he was playing the full season in college and had 1,300 rushing yards last year coming out of Oklahoma after putting up a stellar passer season too. Like, the kid can play. I'm super stoked that he got a chance. And, like, do you have any other thoughts? I'm hoping you saw some of that game or at least the highlights. Like, he looked great. Yeah, he really did. And I think it's it was always a question, okay, when – you have a certain amount invested in Wentz. So, uh, but what they they bring him in in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so to be able to kind of look and like, okay, he's got some draft capital uh, associated with him. But Wentz, they they want to continue to see, okay, is he the future? Uh, and that door opened just enough, uh, as they always say, the window of opportunity. Uh, he took it and seized it. And to know that he has that mobility, I think that's the one thing about the uh, the Eagles that's really necessary at this point. That O-line is in rough shape. Uh, injuries and just equality in general, uh, they're, they're, it's really that not the, the caliber that you'd want to really be able to protect a quarterback. Uh, Wentz needs a little time to be able to make some of his throws. He's not always the quickest. So to have someone that if something's not coming to light in the play, to be able to make something of it with running is a huge upgrade for the Eagles to be able to kind of have more plays at their disposal, knowing that the O-line is, is going to have the pocket collapse more often than not. And that's where I think we saw him shine was this ability to be able to scramble, uh, in my opinion, better than uh, Wentz certainly has been able to over the past couple games. So if he can be the guy that can keep this team kind of trending in the right direction, um, during this kind of hard bit for the Eagles right now, given the state of some of their uh, offensive line, it's going to be really interesting to see if he continues to hold on to that job going forward. And speaking of holding on, I mean, I loved seeing the lack of turnovers, right? Like that has been yeah. Carson Wentz's big thing this year. I think they would Truth. have a drastically different record if he was more careful with the football, right? And yep. uh, some of my favorite analysts, um, you know, Greg Rosenthal over at NFL.com always says, you know, sacks are a QB stat, right? That's the QB making yep. mistakes. Like, obviously, there's sometimes where your free rusher comes through, but that's on the quarterback. And once, you know, a lot of people have been talking about him holding the ball too long, like not progressing through his reads, you know, the way he was, mm-hmm. you know, during an MVP year. I personally have always thought Carson Wentz was a little bit overrated because his college profile wasn't really that great. And then the draft capital just took him over the top. But exactly. Jalen Hurts was careful with the football. That's what we saw him do at Alabama and Oklahoma. And I'm rooting for the kid. Uh, I stashed him everywhere. I am stoked right now with some of my Jalen Hurts teams. Absolutely. That's a big win for anyone who's been able to do that. So, And yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for him tomorrow. So we, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll talk about Jalen Hurts, but wanted to, like I said, there's no way we were not leading the show with Jalen no, Hurts. We, we absolutely needed to be able to chat about him. So that's, that's perfect. Um, so maybe, maybe some, that'll be a nice kind of segue into talking about another quarterback, um, that I think with this particular scenario, someone that had super high expectations instead of this diamond in the rough that we're talking about with Jalen Hurts had super high expectations, uh, probably over the past two years, just because of his kind of college performance and draft capital. And that is Baker Mayfield. And I know we just uh, discussed him a little bit on the last Superflex, but we kind of wanted to loop back to him because I think we're starting to see a little bit of a nice trend with him over the past few games that's encouraging based on some of Max and I's guidance uh, on some of the previous episodes. So, I mean, Baker Mayfield, we know he had a, a phenomenal 
uh, time over at Oklahoma, two of the best college seasons all time over at Oklahoma. Uh, and we know he's got a cannon, uh, most particularly because you can look at uh, the last game. Uh, I think PFF said it was the very end Hail Mary that he threw was the uh, longest recorded throw that they have uh, ever had to record uh, for their stats. So it was incredible. That thing was sailing. So you, it's it would be no, um, no surprise to people to say he has 97th percentile arm strength. The dude can throw. And what we haven't been able to see over the past part of the season is him throwing because you bring in Stefanski. Uh, he's a very run-heavy type of, of coach uh, and kind of offensive mind. So you have Baker Mayfield who has this ability and he's kind of been caged up a little bit, right? Uh, you have both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, both phenomenal running backs who've really been putting the team on their back when it comes to uh, helping the team win games. So you've seen, at least in the earlier part of the season, Baker Mayfield being a little bit more contained, um, not being able to really unleash his arm strength. Um, but when he does, he makes it count. He's number two in money throws over the course of this year. So it's fantastic to see, like, when the dude gets a shot, uh, it's really fun to see him be able to throw the ball because he's made some fantastic plays over the course of this year. Uh, and he's also number four in true completion percentage as well. So uh, it's it's really nice to be able to see that there's that efficiency uh, component uh, that comes with some of his game. They just haven't had to rely on him too much because they've really been leaning on some of those um, running backs when it comes to that stuff. So we've been big fans of Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I'm encouraged to see some of the development that's going on because every single year is it's like, okay, is it Baker? Is it the Browns? Is it the coaching? Is it everything uh, that comes with uh, that organization as a whole? But I think we're starting to see some some nice trends that are pointing towards him having that skill set that you'd expect of the 101 uh, when he was drafted. And I think for fantasy players, you look at him and I would say he's a fantastic uh, QB2 in Superflex leagues. I'm not going to be re-rolling him out on a weekly basis as my QB1. I think he's very situational still as they kind of figure out their overall scheme. Uh, but to have him as more of a stable floor for what you'd be expecting out of your QB2 in Superflex, fantastic choice. Uh, and I honestly, if he continues to develop, I think you're going to uh, have some plenty more of a QB one weeks out of him going into the future. So Max, I know you like Baker too. Is there anything else that you'd kind of say about him? Yeah. Um, so I've been rewatching 30 rock with, uh, with the lady and the family. And uh, there's a scene in here that made me think of Baker Mayfield and uh, Liz Lemon's boyfriend, Dennis Duffy, she comes home and he's like, he's got a kitchen knife in his hand. And he keeps stabbing the wall. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm trying to hang a shelf dummy. I got, I just got to find a stud. I can't find a stud. And, and I think with Baker Mayfield, we found the stud. Like, I, I really do believe that, you know, last year you kind of have to throw it out, right? Because this is a guy yep. who set the rookie record in passing touchdowns, didn't even play that full season. Okay. And was the one Oh one right in, in the NFL draft, yep. not just, not just rookie exactly. drafts in your dynasty leagues. Um, but he's got the draft capital. The analytics guys loved him coming out. Uh, he's got the charisma for me, which is always a big, right. Got that Brett Favre okay. swagger. Yep. Um, and, and I just think he's looked great. I think the, is it weird that I feel like he plays better without Odell Beckham? Like, no, it's bizarre no. to me. Um, because in those types of scenarios, and I, I love Odell for many reasons, but I feel like QBs end up having to force him targets. And when you're not forcing targets, even though, you know, you're tossing it to one of the best wide receivers uh, uh, in, in the league or in at least league history, 
Um, it's definitely a lot harder when you're asking someone to force it in a situation where it doesn't make sense. Now, with Odell gone, he very well could be making better decisions instead of forced decisions. I mean, he he reminds me of like early 2000s Tom Brady, where it's like, who's he really throwing to? Like without without yeah. Odell Beckham, like I like Jarvis Landry. He's a great possession receiver, but it's not like they have any huge superstar, right? They've been leaning on the running I mean, game. I love Rashard Higgins, but that's that's a, a thing for another the, day. We can cover that on a 2021 <laughs> show. Um, exactly. But I mean, they've been, they were leaning on the run game, right? Chubb goes out. They have to open up the pass game a little bit because they can't put it all on Kareem Hunt. So I, I don't know. It's weird, um, you know, what to do with Odell in this offseason in Dynasty is a whole other question. But I just, I love what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks. You know, he had that, I think it was a five touchdown game. Looked great last week. Yeah. I mean, the Browns oh. have had their best record since like the Braylon Edwards years. Seriously. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's been awesome to watch. And just quick, before we move on to any other positions, I do want to do a quick heat check uh, with you on the on the QB class, this QB class, right? So Let's do it. we've seen some great stuff from, from Burrow, seen some great stuff from Tua, seen some great stuff from Herbert, right? Tua is the one we've seen the least from because, uh, you know, yep. they kind of kept him on the shelf for a little bit. Right now, I want to know, you know, if, if you're going into a startup or you're, you know, looking at acquiring some of these guys in the offseason, I want to know what, what your ranking is, one, two, three on those guys. Sure. I, um, it's, if I have to think about it, I, I certainly want to incorporate some of the actual talent uh, aspects of the player themselves, but also who they're surrounded by. Um, I feel like, I have to go with Herbert first because he has probably the most talent around him during this time. He's got Keenan Allen. Well, uh, uh, at this time, along with Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, uh, and Austin Eckler uh, as a uh, receiver, just fantastic. So plus the fact that I believe he is about to, if not already has, uh, beaten the uh, record that Baker Mayfield set uh, during his rookie year, he is on a tear. He is doing a really phenomenal job right off the bat. So it's funny. Uh, he would not have been the first uh, quarterback that we would have uh, ranked going into this uh, season, but I think he's proven enough that he would be uh, my favorite of the bunch. Then going into uh, Burrow, because I do believe uh, in the talent overall. I do believe he is surrounded by probably the second best collection of talent um, with uh, Higgins coming on board. AJ Green's still there as of right now. Uh, very questionable if he's going to be with the Bengals going into the next season uh, or playing at all. We'll see what happens there. And then my boy Tyler Boyd, uh, who I think really uh, just fits his play style so well that, again, I think he has just a little less to overcome. I am very scared about his injury. Uh, it did not look good. So you hope from a recovery standpoint he's going to be in good shape, but we'll see what happens there. And then this is no shade to Tua because I think he's a fantastic talent. I love what's going on with the Dolphins. I just think this coming draft is going to be what dictates the talent around him uh, going into the next year. So he very easily could slide um, all the way up. He could slide kind of in the middle or he could stay where he is. And again, that's that's not a knock to him, but I think he has probably the most question marks with playing the least amount this season and having the least predictable talent um, with this season uh, with some question marks going into next season. So that's kind of how I'd rank those. It's funny you say that because I'm flip-flopping the last two. Um, and I don't there know if go. that's a hot take. I didn't do enough research to know if it's a hot take, but but I want Tua over Burrow. And, you know, I haven't seen enough from Tua. And this is where sometimes you need to lean on the college profile, right? And I mean, yep. Tua was so highly touted for so long, for good reason, like super accurate, played in the SEC, 
um, just ne- when he was healthy and on the field, he did nothing but impress, right? Uh, much to yeah. Jalen Hurts' chagrin at certain points in his career. For, for sure. So um, I want to over Burrow. I still, I've, I've liked what I've seen from Burrow, but I'm still just a little, you know, questionable about, it's hard to evaluate rookie QBs. They're throwing the yep. ball a ton. Like the Zach Taylor yes. volume is real. Um, it inflates things for sure. I really, but think, it also did put him on some historic pace before the injury too. So it's it's hard. It's it's not like he was doing it that much and then not getting the results. He was he was making it count. Yeah. So yep, he was playing well. I just um I you know I, I definitely trust Zach Taylor um you know who's like a Sean McVay coaching tree guy. I trust him to yep. scheme it up. They were showing that they were scheming it up to air it out all the time. Um, you know, and, and he, even some of that season without Joe Mixon, but I just, I still am wary of the one year wonder with Jamar chase and, um, and why am I blanking on the other, uh, LSU guy right now? Uh, Jefferson. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, we, we should talk about him on the show soon. Very soon. Uh, he might be the number one wide receiver in this rookie class. If we re-ranked it today. Seriously. Um, so yeah, I mean, playing with Justin Jefferson and uh, and Jamar Chase, and obviously Ceh catching some passes out of the backfield. Yep. You know, I'm just a little skeptical, right? So Tua to me, Fair. I like what the Dolphins are doing. They got a ton of draft capital. Um, maybe an upside play, but but that's where I'm going right now. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. So we'll see where it shakes out come next season. But to pivot over to another position entirely, uh, and this is another guy that I assumed you you figured I would put on the list to talk about today. I had to imagine there's some things that happen. I, I want to talk about Cam Akers. I got to talk about Let's Cam Akers. Uh, I've been a big fan. Um, you know, we we talked about, or maybe we didn't talk about this, but we had a show a while back. I think I ranked him at number 17 overall or something like that in my early, yep. early startup style dynasty rankings. Um, the guy's beast, like he's shown you this last week, what did he have? 191 yards from scrimmage. And yeah, he was, he was running 177 (laughs) of those were on the ground. I mean, that's the most impressive game of any rookie this year as a running back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I felt like I was seeing a lot of cam Akers waffling and I'm the guy who was taking him in startups this off season, Mm -hmm. traded up in a draft to take him over CD lamb, just roster construction on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, really, I think he's showing us what we knew when he was coming out of Florida state, right? This is a guy who in 2019 put up, you know, 1100 plus yards on the ground, caught 30 passes. I mean, he was forcing missed tackles on 30 plus percent of his touches. Like we both know how terrible that Florida state offensive line was. Um, yeah. And, and you're seeing it this year. Like he's number 16 in yards per touch for the running back position and number 15 in yards created. So I think the rib injury held him back. Um, you know, right at the beginning of the season, it was like a three headed monster. Nobody had any idea who was getting the ball, but Cam Akers was getting exactly. a lot of touches, gets the injury and, you know, he's running against stacked fronts right now. Like he's just showing us what he can do. I really believe that on that Thursday night game, that people saw like the real ceiling cam Akers has in that offense. Um, and, and I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. I know. I don't blame you one bit. And it, it, as uh, uh, another point, that was one of the rapid fire questions that you kind of listed off uh, during our last segment too, of kind of what's my take on his future. And he was in kind of that hole to even potentially if, if he has a good game sell. And I, I, I didn't expect that good of a game <laughs> out of him because that honestly, and that, that kind of, almost makes me question my own advice of like if he has one good game uh look to see if you can sell him by the end of the season 
I have to say I need one more game out of him, and it's not to question his talent anymore, which I've all, always kind of had a, a firm belief that he is talented. I just continue to wonder how the team's going to utilize him. Uh, Darrell Henderson was um, hurt for a part of, if not most of, that game. Uh, he was a little questionable leading into it. He did get some carries, uh, and they de-emphasized him from there, especially with the hot hand that they had with Akers. I'm just curious if that we're going to see him have such a lead role going into other games uh, or if it was a forced necessity based on just the way things that were going. Um, so I'm really excited. I do believe in the kid. I want him to succeed and fantasy hates running back by committee, right? So I would love to see another stud kind of rise to the top and not be stuck in this uh, kind of gambit that no one knows when to play them. Uh, you hope that he has another game or two where he starts to really pull ahead and that people who invested in him get to see uh, that the kid for what he is. So I'm, I'm really excited and hoping that over the next couple of games, we continue to see the trend that we saw this game. So people had to invest a lot typically in Cam Akers, but a guy that you probably didn't have to invest a lot in this offseason, maybe even might have been free, uh, Seriously, was James Robinson. And I want to hear your takes on James, James Robinson, Robinson, right? We're, we're getting close James. to the end of the regular season. There's no playoff run for the Jaguars. We don't have to nope. worry about that. W nope. Where are you with James Robinson right now? So James Robinson's super interesting, and he's one that uh, went under the radar for a lot of people. I know some fantasy analysts were, were high on him, uh, and rightfully so. He had some elite production uh, in college, uh, although it was at Illinois State. He had uh, 1,900 yards rushing his senior year, so he had some kind of pops that made people really excited. And he's got a decent build. He's 5'9", he's uh, just shy of 220. Uh, and an 89th percentile spark score. So, like, there's some things that you can start to get really excited about. You no, know I love the but spark he score. Was, you know I love the spark, spark score, score. You know, we both love the spark score. So it's something that definitely was was there, and people could have started started to take a closer look. But I think it's one area especially that people were looking at uh, his situation. Um, behind Leonard Fournette, yes, absolutely, there was some questions about his future, uh, definitely some kind of contentions within the organization. But he's Leonard Fournette. He's been someone that we've always had in our minds is the this guy who's going to continue to get a decent amount of touches, kind of own that backfield. Uh, and anyone that's sitting behind him is just a kind of relief guy. So nobody was getting as excited as some of the other uh, rookie running backs because there really didn't seem to be that quick of a path. Well, lo and behold, you see Leonard Fournette uh, released by the organization. And all of a sudden, um, James Robinson kind of comes to the forefront. And I still feel like even when that happened, you had people who were like, oh, Ryqual Armstead, next guy up. Uh, the guys who have been in the organization a little bit longer. Um, but James Robinson apparently continued to produce uh, at camp. Uh, he became this quiet hero that uh, if you were actually at training camp, you probably would have, of course, yeah, he was going to be the guy. But to many on the, on the outside, that didn't really seem to be the case. But lo and behold, becomes this true work course uh throughout the course of this year is just insane uh he's number one in carries and targets among uh running backs and number five in fantasy points per game uh for the the, the season so far that's insane he's winning people leagues. he's literally talking. winning people leagues he's literally winning people leagues kind of like a philip Lindsay uh for uh seasons past right a guy who just kind of comes out of nowhere and really just has this amazing production um and he's he's got this build though that's the one thing that i think is a little different he's a grinder back super strong uh and he's definitely agile not the best speed um but i mean certainly compensates for it uh in other areas and, and right now he's the fourth undrafted rookie in nfl history to clear 1000 yards that's cool company to be in. It you is. don't see that every day. So it starts to kind of beg the question of like undrafted guys. They don't typically 
hang around too long uh, as compared to those who have draft capital. So it kind of becomes this question of like, what do we what do we do with him? Right. Because the Jags have a ton of capital going into this next year. And it becomes this question of, okay, well, are is running back on their minds or do they feel like they've got this locked up and they have this ability to spend this capital elsewhere? Uh, I think you have a lot of people talking about, uh, while Minshew mania is still uh, near and dear to my heart, probably QB is on their list of, uh, <laughs> it, of people to consider. It kind of has to be. I, th- I have to think that's going to be on the uh, on the radar. Uh, and there's definitely other positions that they can start to take a look at as well. But running back is something that they could invest in. So it's it's kind of hard. Max, what's your take on like James Robinson's kind of season thus far and, and what you would say going into next season is, is his likely outcome? Uh, I want you to find any fantasy analyst. Show me the tweet. Show me the draft kit. Show me the blog post that says that James Robinson was going to be a top five fantasy back this year. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. Um, my thing with these guys is in dynasty whether it's making a bad investment or not getting out of an investment when you need to it can really set your team back sometimes and like you know how it is like you've seen these teams that go into multi-year rebuilds right with one or two big mistakes and in preparation for this i i I took a look right because i some some people might call me a little bit of a draft capital snob, right? Um, I, I think it's a big indicator of success because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right, for these teams. And I don't typically like to bet on outliers. And, and here's the list, Dan. Guys that are undrafted that really had multiple years of fantasy football impact on your team. It's Arian Foster. Mm-hmm. It's Priest Holmes. It's Austin Eckler, right? Those were the only, fir- those yep. are the first three that like came to my mind. I was like, I can think of those guys, you know, they're right there. Right up, rattle them off. Yeah. Did a little bit more digging. Realized I missed a couple. Fred Jackson, former Bills superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Legarrette Blunt, near and dear to our hearts. Oh. Right, have like a nineteen. Throw back to my uh, old team title of Blunt Force for uh, uh, fantasy football way back in the day. There you go. Had like that 19, 20 touchdown season not that long ago. Exactly. Right? Uh, and another Patriots superstar, Danny Woodhead. Right, but that's for sure. That's really it. Like you know, and I'm not saying I combed every player database everywhere, but like that's the list. Meanwhile, the bad side, right, of not getting out of these guys when you have the opportunity to sell high is, yep. you know, right now it's looking like Philip Lindsay, right? A couple of years in a row, sub-production. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Rawls. Sure. Isaiah Crowell. You tell me when to stop. Uh, CJ Anderson. Playoff oh, hero one year. Uh, for sure. Rob Kelly. Fat Rob, as they called yep. him. I don't know who called him that, but somebody called him that. Uh, Raheem Mostert right like i mean he's a guy yeah. that was getting jury's still out but yeah exactly still definitely as compared to his his real kind of breakout uh towards the end of last year for sure yeah and uh josh adams former uh former like late season push where i saw him get dealt for second rounders and stuff like that <laughs> and uh very near and dear to my heart because he never ever let the ball loose and you know billy belichick loves that ben jarvis green ellis another drafted undrafted guy excuse me for sure so i have trouble really banking on the outliers that said he's looked amazing on a team that's yeah. not really that good um yeah and they have a high ceiling um you know and sometimes you look at these guys and it's like when they can perform really well in a bad situation despite the draft capital you kind of have to put your snobbery aside sometimes i think i'd be selling him if he was on my team I'm not selling him, you know, for anything less than a haul, but yeah, I think I'm going to make the move. And that Fair. lets me segue to two players that I know you're going to hate me talking about. Hit me. I want to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn. 
Let's do it. I feel like you could probably get Keyshawn Vaughn for free in a lot of places right now. Like yes. the the Keyshawn Vaughn late first round, maybe maybe very early second round drafters are not happy with what they're seeing right now. And I just want to rewind the clock and take a look at somebody like a Damian Harris, right? Damian Harris coming out of Alabama, super complete skill set. A lot of people would argue he was the lead back over Josh Jacobs, right? While they were there. Yes. Doesn't yep. get the draft capital that Jacobs gets. Um, basically, last year was a redshirt year for Damian Harris. He was barely on the field. And sure. that's what we're seeing with Keyshawn Vaughn, right? The Bucks, they got Brady. They got Antonio Brown. They put all, they shoved all the chips. They went all in on this year. And they have Rojo and Leonard Fournette, two guys that probably right at this point in time are better suited to, you know, go out there and make the plays than Keyshawn Vaughn. But we talk about the profiles on guys like Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. Keyshawn Vaughn is just a tick below those guys, right? Banished to Vanderbilt, playing against the hardest hitting linebackers in the SEC. He put up numbers in college. He's shown that he can catch the ball. He had 28 uh, receptions in his uh, senior season. And he comes out and comes into the league with third round draft capital and he has a three down skill set. I know that you might not be as high. I know that every time your, your eyes glaze over when, uh, when I start talking about Keyshawn Vaughn, but I think he's somebody right now where his cost is probably, it's, it's bottomed out. It's like a bad pickup truck, yeah. right? As soon as you drive a pickup truck into the ground, for some reason, it's always worth 1500 bucks. That's <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn right now. And I'm ready to put it's the, true. I'm ready to shell out, you know, 1600 bucks to go get Keyshawn Vaughn. And, and I'm, I'm with, for any, it all depends on price. We, we both started actually pretty pretty high on the kid uh, and just seeing the opportunity that existed. I think this the thing that changed was my view on Ronald Jones, to be entirely honest. I have seen what enough to really like what he can be as a running back going into the future. And prior to the season, I felt like it was uh, totally an opportunity for, for Vaughn to lose uh, because um, – Ronald Jones just didn't seem that good. And now all of a sudden you see this aspect where he has really vaulted himself uh, to a next level with the season. And it just becomes a lot harder to see some of the path for uh, Vaughn during this time. So I feel like each time that we've met, you've been continuing to keep the light on for him. Uh, I have started to sour on him a little bit, but when it comes to price, and I think that is the thing, I am always willing to sell, uh, to buy a high upside player if the price is right. And he is probably at the price now where, if I have other guys, uh, especially in deep leagues, I have a guy like Willie Sneed or something on my bench, uh, but I could buy Vaughn for a late third or a fourth or whatever like that, I'll do that all day because there is enough upside that it's worth the gamble. I think you just got to go get yourself that pickup truck, man. Go get that 1995 <laughs> Ford F-150. And, uh, you know, I'm not even going to give you a rebuttal here because I feel like we're already taking too much time on the first half of the show. But one thing to watch out for, Ronald Jones is not a great pass catcher. And Keyshawn Vaughn... Nope. I think he's got some real pass catching skills and you know, Bruce Arians loves that. Um, I do want to segue to another truther that, that I'm, I think we've moved him on our show notes for like the last three podcasts. Right. And that's true. I want to talk about Rashad Penny because he's do it. another Finally one. Deserves a little time. He's another one where you can tell I have a type, Dan, you can tell I have a type. And he's 220 pounds and he runs a four, four, six and he rushed for over 2000 yards, albeit at San Diego state at 7.8 yards per carry. I mean, 
what else do you need to know from a college profile perspective, right? Like for a small Plus that school, draft capital. for a small school Plus guy, first round, yes, you know? yes. Now you're now we're on the same wavelength. So that's all I want to see from a small school guy. And it's not like Keyshawn Vaughn, where you're basically still investing in just a college profile. Like we've seen Rashad, yeah. we've seen Rashad Penny play in the NFL, and he's looked damn good yep. every time he stepped on a football field. Yeah. It's just been limited times that he stepped on the NFL field. It, it really has been. And I think you can kind of explain away that lack of production, right? You know, first-year player, got some touches, yep. you know, established veteran there with Chris Carson. Um, still looked still looked pretty electric when he got it. And then, you know, a couple injuries, right? These guys got to harden themselves up to, like, taking these hits all the time in the NFL when they're coming out of college. And so, really, you know, then you're halfway through his second season in an ACL tear. You know, it happens. Like, ACLs happen um he's another one that i personally just look at and i'm like the sky is the limit for this guy and carson's mm. carson's getting up there i think he's about to turn 26 the seahawks are going to be put to a decision right now the starter for the seattle seahawks is chris carson but it is very easy to imagine him walking away the ball getting passed to rashad penny and that being the guy that you get to watch you know crushing it week in and week out in 2021 Yep. No, seriously. And actually, I, it's very timely because I believe um, this coming week uh, for tomorrow is going to be uh, Rashad Penny's uh, first game back uh, to be able to see what he can do there. So for a team that rushes as, as much as they do uh, to know when he's been able to be on the field, how explosive he's been able to be, uh, I think, again, people are this is a perfect time where you have had people who have been hanging on to him for so long that you have this chance to see if people are willing to to jump. It's hard because I think at this point we're probably past a lot of trade deadlines. So the best time to, to bottom was probably two weeks ago when you still had an opportunity to do it and Rashad Penny was still injured. Um, Going to probably, if I have to predict, be a little harder to buy him uh, as you go into this next season because I think you're going to see him pop a couple times uh, of the remaining part of the season and start to remind people about the player that he is. That could be very interesting on like a total just NFL note. If all of a sudden he comes back and two weeks from now he's pretty healthy and Seattle's going into the playoffs, that is a serious backfield. And Rashad Penny can catch too. So, I mean, oh, yeah. that's a serious backfield. It really is. Yeah, between Carson Hyde and uh, Rashad Penny. Uh, that's pretty beastly, and even DJ Dallas even is has got some uh, some some good skill sets about him. So dangerous backfield to say the least. So to continue on our former first first round pick trend, uh, let's talk about a couple tight ends that I think are near and dear to your heart. That are also what are you doing with these guys right now? Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, you look back um, a year to two years ago, probably both of these guys were top seven uh, ranked uh, tight ends from a dynasty perspective. And I think you've just started to really see their values um, just float away uh, and mostly due to uh, injury. It really has been. I mean, Njoku, again, also being on the Browns, I'd probably argue opportunity because uh, fewer and farther in between with just the way that that team was run um, for the first part of his career there. Um, but he's turning just 25 next season. And I think uh, it's really in order for him to be able to get the, the back into the type of player that we think that he could be, I think he's got to go someplace else. 
uh, because right now you're seeing Austin Hooper, but who I believe is the highest paid tight end in the uh, the game, or at least definitely top three. But I think they, it was almost a ridiculous amount that they paid him. They're not going to take away opportunities if he's healthy. Right now he's not, so you're seeing Joku get some some playing time there. Uh, and then Harrison Bryant is another guy who's really started to come up. A lot of people were saying that he was the camp MVP uh, at the beginning of this year. You've started to see some really good plays, and you see have good chemistry with Baker. Um, and Joku during the last game made a couple great plays. So it was like, oh, getting excited again. Like, this is the guy I remember being super excited about because he's just stupid athletic. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what he's able to do. But I can guarantee you uh, the price has never been lower on Njoku right now. And if there's an opportunity that a, a team, especially one that favors tight ends, like, man, I, I, to be honest, I'd love to see him potentially land with the Pats, uh, a team that has no, been known to emphasize the tight end when they have uh, a extremely athletic uh, one at their disposal. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see there. You don't Another have any guy, faith in uh, Dalton Keene and his mustache? You know what? I mean, I always love to give anyone a chance, but I, I can't say that I've seen enough of Dalton Keaton's <laughs> mustache to make me really excited going into the next season. Uh, but then again, I can't really say I've seen much of anything of the Pats that made me really excited for next season. So we're going to see what happens there. Um, and another guy, again, I mean, you, Pats and tight ends, we, we, we certainly we love that position. And another guy I would love to see uh, over there is O.J. Howard. But um, the kid is, again, pretty darn young uh at least when it comes to to tight end standards uh just turned 26 monster over at alabama uh and 90th percentile spark score yep. like again we're talking about guys who can make a difference when you put the ball in their hands uh because they're so freaking athletic uh, uh so unfortunate to see uh his injury happen this year especially with tommy who uh, of course you have gronk there but you're really hoping that with his propensity to want to be able to target the tight end that you're going to see some real magic happening with oj howard um, biggest thing with OJ and Njoku like, to be honest, is drops. Uh, every single time uh, you have this opportunity for them to make a big play, you don't have that confidence that you do with some of the other tight ends where you it's a 50-50 of, like, is he going to catch this or not? So it's going to be interesting to see if that's something they can continue to work on there. But um, for two guys who have such high upside, their value uh, is lower than it ever has been. And they're guys that you should definitely take a take a gamble on going into this uh, this next season. Yeah, I have both these guys in a lot of leagues. And, you know, this was a weird year, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of COVID injured reserve, that like whole moniker get thrown all over your roster yep. everywhere. I think I sent you a text one time where there was like 15 players on my team on that IR. Um, <laughs> That's so true. And I just can't bring myself to drop them. I can't do it. Uh, yep. I've needed to. Uh, I have against my will held these guys and I'm just, for whatever reason, call me an idiot. Uh, I'm just not ready to give up both first round picks. They've flashed. I think a change of scenery for Njoku, for Njoku would be huge. Like you said. Yep. And I think OJ Howard, maybe another change of scenery would help. I think just like he's had some nagging injuries and sometimes that derails a whole career. If he yeah. can put it together, like you said, I mean, he's still just 26 years old. I mean, he was billed to be, the next Gronkowski coming out of Bama, like, because he was yeah. great at catching the ball, but like a Gronk level blocker, right. At Alabama. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I don't know. I, I really do want to get into some more uh, bright side tight ends, right. Another couple of uh, first round picks. And that is my boy, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and I might have, might have a hot take for you on, uh, on his former teammate, Noah fan. So, Oh Yeah. We'll see. We'll Hit see. Me. We'll see what you think. Uh, but I mean, these guys, right? Like 
we're going into we're going to the year two with them, which you typically don't see tight ends produce. It's one of those things where you're drafting that position unless they're an absolute prodigy. Believe it or not, Austin Superior Jenkins was supposed to be one of those guys coming out of Washington. True. Um, you know, you don't expect the production early, and especially TJ Hawkinson is crushed this year on a bad Lions team, often without Kenny Galladay. And uh, he's he's been a bright spot, man. Um, he's a guy that I've tried to acquire this offseason, took in a couple startups. And he's just such a complete tight end. Like he, to me, you know, if he stays on this path, another guy that, you know, people were billing to be Gronkowski 2.0, like he kind of looks that part. Like he is a dog yeah. out there on the lines. Yeah. Um, but here, here, here's where we get a little fun, right? So I was like, looking off the top of my head, I'm like, all right, what are guys that I want to take over TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, right? I have Hawk in the top three right now, which I don't think is that hot takey a tight end, right? No, nope. only yep. guys that I want over Hawk are Kelsey and Kittle. I'm taking him even over Mark Andrews. I personally have seen enough, and he had a better profile coming out of Iowa than than Mark Andrews did. Sure. Um, Noah Fant. Let's just remind everybody really quick. Ninety fourth percentile Sparky athlete, super early breakout at Iowa while competing with T.J. Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. This year alone, he's been number seven in target separation for tight ends, and he's number four in yards after catch. And this is playing with Drew Locke or the ghost of Drew Locke. The other guys, you know, they're firing up uh, practice squad wide receivers to play quarterback out there in Denver these days. <laughs> there there was even a chance that Royce Freeman was going to be the oh, backup. Oh, I wanted to see that so TV, bad. So. You know I love Royce Freeman. <laughs> oh, God. Royce Freeman. Another guy that I can't cut from my rosters. Oh, I, I feel you. But Drew Locke's true completion percentage is outside the top 35 this year, Dan. And, and Noah Fant's still doing stuff. So ready? I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna give you the list, and I'm gonna wait until your jaw drops. Here are the only guys that I'm taking over Noah Fant in a startup right now: Travis Kelsey, George yep. Kittle, T.J. Yep. Hawkinson, For sure. Mark Andrews, okay, and Darren Waller. That's it. All right, that's the list. Honestly, I, you're you're in the same area that I would be. I I I would still say uh, Hunter Henry is someone who's in that kind of mix where I would be uh, questioning if I'd kind of move him above or, above or below there. But I think I think that that makes good sense uh, because what we've seen of him already, uh, with the potential for uh, so much growth going into the next season, as we're saying, fixing things like true completion percentage, all that. Um, he the sky's the limit, and I really don't think uh, that I I think I'd probably do the same. Plus or minus Hunter Henry because I do uh, I, I'm a big Hunter Henry fan so yeah well fair enough I almost put him over Waller and I was just like you know what Dan will probably shut his mic off and just leave the show if I say that on the air so. that, that 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 is fair yeah I probably would have taken off after that because this season that Waller is having uh, I uh, so much regret not being able to pick him up for nothing. Uh, uh, last year, but that's a story. I want to go day. on record with the fact that I wrote it down and then was like, it eh, might just be a little too much of a scorching hot take for this. So, but if you're in a startup with me, those are the only guys I'm taking over, over Noah fan. That, that's fair. You know what? I think, uh, I think it's pretty reasonable. So as, as maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, as, uh, hot on you, uh, on him as I am with, uh, with you, but, uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's crazy. I am a hundred percent clipping that hot on you sound clip off and using it for the it. next eternity <laughs> because that was gold right there. <laughs> the next segment called Hot on You. Hot on you. Um, yeah, man, it's been a weird year. Uh, we just hit a bunch of players. Probably ran longer than we thought we were going to. And um, I really just kind of want to sum it up. It's been a bizarre, bizarre fantasy year, uh, which makes Dynasty even more fun, right? Because you see people pushing all the chips in. You see, you know. 
who's cashing out for draft picks, who's selling all the draft picks to go try to win in the weirdest season of all time. Uh, I know we have a combined favorite league mate who will remain nameless, who we've seen do that time after time after time. (laughs) Selling players for first rounders and dropping them the next day. Um, But I just want to get, let's, let's close out on this. You're, it's great to look back no matter what the circumstances and try to get a dynasty takeaway or a lesson learned. What was your biggest takeaway or lesson learned this year playing dynasty fantasy football? Uh, I feel like it's one that recurs every year and you kind of forget until it happens. And you're like, Oh man, okay. That's something I want to, I want to make sure I remember for next year. Personally for me, it's don't underestimate or undervalue players in their prime when it comes to dynasty, uh, usually because of age right? You have certain guys where they're getting a little up there in age and you start to have this question of, do I want to sell? And especially there's always kind of that advice. I'd rather sell one year early than one year late. Right. Uh, and you always try and put that into practice, but the, the hard part about that is you never know when that person is going to be a sell too early or a sell too late until it happens. Um, so there've been examples where like I've sold a Travis Kelsey this year, I've sold a Keenan Allen this year. Uh, and those are guys where if I look back, uh, about halfway through that season, I would probably be in the championships right now if I hadn't sold them uh, because the rest of my team was set up in a great place where I still had some good youth, but you always start to kind of think too forward into the 2021 season if you're in 2020 and think about, oh man, a couple really cool rookies coming out, would love to grab some picks uh, or this young guy that I think I, I should be able to grab now because it's he's only going to get more expensive later. So for example, with Keenan Allen and Travis Kelsey, I end up getting guys like AJ Brown out of it, right? Like it still feel pretty good, but um, there's guys where we're always going to be playing this age game. Uh, and you know, I, uh, you're always a little bit more on the age side. I end up uh, being a little bit more on the, uh, the current production side. Um, but you, you gotta always take a step back and look at why do we play this game? And it's not only to build this youthful, great next five years dynasty, it's also to win this year. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice is, um, if you're going to be selling players that are in their prime of, um, just absolute dominance when it comes to what they're doing in the season make sure you're getting a haul for them because you really want to make sure you didn't just take yourself out of playoff contention to think about the next season yep yep and i i will put a little asterisk there and make you not feel so bad about yourself if you were ever going to try to make sure you were a year early on somebody this was the year to do it right because like when when we were when we did our preview for the season right like we did a podcast right before kickoff I mean, we were like, we don't know when this is going to end. We have no idea. So exactly. I'll give you a little bit of credit there, but I love the takeaway because you do see it all the time, right? Um, and I've, I've been guilty of it too, like selling DeAndre Hopkins this year, right? Those types of guys. Yep. Um, never take your eye off the championship if you're in contention and you know do a, do a real evaluation of your chances um, and ages and everything, right? Like the, the gap between a rookie and a DeAndre Hopkins, that matters, but a dynasty title is forever. So I could not agree with you more. Speaking of looking towards 2021, before I get to my takeaway, we're going to obviously have some great 2021 content coming out very soon. Um, I've been doing a lot of homework on these guys, having a lot of fun watching what has also been a very weird college football season. For sure. Um, And the 2021 class is looking awesome. Um, The only position that I think we're looking weaker at overall as a draft class is running back. Um, we got Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, maybe some other guys emerge, right? Uh, but every other position is totally stacked. So I think we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff to talk about, you know, as the calendar flips over and we start talking about some of those guys. 
Awesome. But to, to pull it back, I think my biggest takeaway from this year is hang on to those college profiles a little bit. Hang on to them a little longer than you might think you need to, right? Because people in dynasty is supposed to be a game of patience, right? You're supposed to have a process. You're supposed to trust your process. And you saw people mid season talking about how Jonathan Taylor is a bust and blah, blah, blah. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire after that first chiefs game is the true one Oh one. It's like, let's just put this all in context, right? Let's look at what these guys did. It's typically three or four years of production at the college level that gives you so much more insight into their true floors and ceilings than eight games in the NFL when they're still acclimating on their Zoom meetings, right? Um, so that's my biggest thing is I feel like I saw a lot of people ready to to call it quits on some guys that had some stud profiles. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite um, examples of this is like Devonte Adams, right? Coming out yep. of, I believe it was Fresno, um, he was billed to be like, the worst wide receiver in the NFL through his first two seasons. If you were yeah. selling Devontae Adams back then, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're uh, I think you got some strong words for your future self. So yeah. Um, hang on to those college profiles, have a process, evaluate guys. Like I said, you do it differently than I do, right? I might lean on a little bit of the youth and production or projected production. You might lean on some of the more like solid projected, you know, these guys are in their prime and they've done it. Uh, Hang on to those college profiles, kids. It'll it'll help you in the long run. Couldn't agree more. All right, buddy. Let's call it 2020 in the books. This was our last show for the year. It's crazy. Any last words for the audience? No. Have a ha- have a happy holiday, and uh, we're excited to be able to chat with you guys about all things Dynasty in the new year. Absolutely, dude. Um, we're gonna be grinding. 2021 hits. The calendar flips. Right. We'll take our little vacation. Exactly. Start digging into some of these rookies, talking about uh, who we're getting excited about. So uh, I'm looking forward to more shows, uh, more uh, truthers for both sides, and exactly. uh, just, just having some fun. Awesome. Looking so, forward to it. Getting out of here one last time for 2020. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>